Go, go, go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, um, yeah, last night, I mean, uh, we were up here, and, um, you know, Lonnie was saying that, yeah, Matt's going to speak tomorrow. You know, I'm in a new job, so I've been working all week, but uh, the Spirit, when I stood up over here, I was like, I'm not sure, but it was a lightning bolt about prayer. And um, I know you had mentioned that I haven't been in any of the other morning sessions. You had mentioned that there was supposed to be discussion, or there was discussion about prayer, and so... Um, that's what the Spirit has really been planting in me, and specifically prayers by the church. So um, I just want to read to kind of just, just to put it in, 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 a, in context from Acts. Um, this is in chapter 12, um, and it says that now about the time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. And this was done during the days of unleavened bread. That's the unleavened bread. Uh, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, intending that he would bring him before the people after Passover. So even this uh, instrument of the enemy was being respectful of the feast. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Constant prayer. So it, it, it is really just going hand in glove with what Kathy's talking about. So this is the church that witnessed and, and, and received the day of Pentecost. They had seen signs and wonders. It was nothing for an angel to appear or to hear from God you know, to go do something that didn't, didn't necessarily want to do. You know, Ananias, go to Saul. Yes, but he's persecuting the church. And so this, I mean, for those of you that are generals in the army and that you've been around for a while, I mean, you talk about prayer. This, this is the book of Acts, constant prayer. Without ceasing. And so setting this up is John, one of the brothers of thunder, has been executed and now Herod is about to do the same to Peter. And it says that the church is praying. So when Herod was about to bring Peter out, uh, that night, Peter was sleeping. He was bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side and raised him up, and he says, Arise, quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie up your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and he followed him. And he did not know what was being done by the angel and that it was real. He thought it was a vision or a dream. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them according on their own. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Just setting this up is the church is praying, believing uh, or, or obeying, just praying for Peter not to have the same demise as James. Peter's asleep and knows the church is praying, but even then is not aware in the spiritual eyes. You think about that. In Romans 8, Paul tells us to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life. And so everything that you talked about was just, it was just really 
bringing it to the surface here is it's we have to even do better than the foundation that the first church laid for us. This is a blueprint for us so that when we face this, we don't follow the same path. We know how to do this with belief. So when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know certainly that the Lord has sent his angel. He's delivered me from the hand of Herod and the Jewish people. And so when he considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was, uh, was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Think about that. Even though he'd been in prison for a few days during the feast, he knew that they were praying. So how to challenge us is, is it that, as Kathy said, is it that we're praying in our own place? Or do we each know that we have a house of prayer? And do our neighbors know that there's something different that when they cross the threshold of our home, I can't explain it, but I know this is where miracles, healings, peace. We keep hearing about the houses of prayer. What happens when the money system disintegrates? What happens when the, uh, the, the bomb goes off that actually takes out all the electricity so you can't go to the ATM, you can't even drive your car? We then have to rely on prayer and hearing the voice of the Spirit. And so that's why we see continuing growth in the houses of prayer because, you know, what I believe in my heart's coming is there's going to be a day that the four walls of the church are really going to be irrelevant because people are not going to necessarily be able to gather here like they do. And so do your neighbors know that your place is a home of refuge, that your place is where they can go when the world is crumbling around them? That's my challenge to Gina and I, and I've told her, I was like, I pray every day at this threshold when I'm walking around here is that when people walk in, there is a, there's a realness to this. So Paul knew that they were praying, went to this home, I'm sorry, Peter, and so when Peter knocked on the door, Rhoda came and answered, she, she, she recognized Peter's voice, but she was filled with gladness, she ran back in and announced, Peter's at the gate. And the church that's praying, they tell her, you're foolish, you're beside yourself, it, it has to be his angel. So Peter continued knocking, they opened the door, and when they saw him, they were astonished. And so what the Spirit had placed in my heart is, what happens when the church is praying constantly but with unbelief? And so what, what the Scriptures have laid out to us here is just what Kathy was saying, is we've got to be sensitive that when the Spirit prompts us that we stop and we say, what do you want me to do right now? Who do I stand in the gap for? Because there's many times that he's asking, is there but one that will stand in the gap right now? Because I've asked their family and they're not doing anything because they're not seeing anything in the natural. Are you willing to stand in the gap to tune your spiritual ears to hear what I'm calling you to do? And I believe that's the heart of those of us that are here. This, I mean, this is my second feast. That's what I see is that we are not being called as a church 
that will go through the steps and the exercise of praying, even to the point of gathering so that we all know we're praying and in agreement, but we take it a step further than the book of Acts church and we begin to declare with belief that the things that we are praying shall come to pass. So that's what spoke to me last night is exactly what you're talking about. Number one, we have to be fine-tuned to the Spirit, what He's calling us to do. We have to be willing to say, you know, this is my job. I would normally have lunch at 12, but it's 10.30. I'm going to take my lunch now. I'm going to spend time with the Spirit. I'm going to intercede. I am going to enter the courts of heaven. Whatever needs to be done at that point so that we understand and walk in this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through Him. We pull down those strongholds and we see all the vain imaginations right now. The vain imagination that we see right now is you can be any identity, anything you want, as long as it doesn't harm me, doesn't hurt me. Those are vain imaginations that are saying, you know, I'm not going to assign the sex to my baby child because I want them to figure out on their own who they are. That's the type of things that we have to take the weapons of God. Mm. And I had written a quote from John Wesley. It was important that, I mean, to me, even that you said it. He says, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. And because he was willing to do that, it shifted the atmosphere, it shifted the whole Christian perception, he was willing to do it even, you know, with the ridicule, the outcast. It was powerful. I, I, you know, I read a story later about even the place where he would pray. You know, we, we don't always acknowledge and understand that even the ground, it can cry out to heaven. When we read about Sodom and Gomorrah, it said that the city, it had a voice. And Places where babies are being slaughtered as sacrifices to Moloch. I mean, it is crying out. But we also know that there's places where the Spirit of God has wrestled with man, the ladders even. And I read the story about where John Wesley would pray every day. There's a story about a group of Bible students that had come through there. And there was one that stayed behind, and he had put his knees in the same place that were worn down by John Wesley. He just kept weeping and praying. And they're like, come on. And that was Billy Graham. He said, I want to have the heart that this man has. I want to have the prayer life. And what do we see happen? We're hitting our knees, consecrating ourselves, and committing our lives I mean, to prayer. One thing that I find when we pray, and I am so guilty of this, is not praying in the confidence and identity that God has, has given me. And I mean, I am in my, I mean, I'm still, I'm still maturing so much. I mean, it's just, I mean, thank God that 
the years are being restored. I used to think mistakenly all those years that I lived it up for the devil and my own way. And I was like, God, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to do 20 plus years before I see any fruit. He says, no. I will restore the years. So I am here to tell you, it doesn't matter who you're praying for in your life, your family, your neighbors, for the nations. It doesn't matter how long they've been, you know, you know we talked about Myanmar last year, we talked about that, it's just, I mean, even the grandeur of their worship for idols. And you, what you said, it spoke to me, it's like, Get over yourself as Christians that we have it so easy. Sometimes we don't operate in confidence. And so we go to the Word of God to give us a model on how to operate or how to avoid that. And so you think about the story of Gideon. The very angel of the Lord had been before him and told him, you're, you're here at holy ground. And even after that encounter, he's like, I need to know that I'm going to be the leader that brings the Israelites out of this. And so I need confirmation because I don't have the confidence from my fiery bush encounter. Lord, we believe and help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. And so it's like, you know, he's like, I want the, uh, the fleece that I'm going to put out, you know, for for it to be wet and for the ground to be dry, and God is merciful, and it happens. But like so many of you, he's like, but I just want to be really, really, really sure that you're sending me here. I want to be really, really sure that we've got to leave the beaches to go to the 20 degrees. Because that's the thing, is that when we left here in February, the seed was planted in our heart. And even being engaged about moving here, neither one of us really spoke about it. Right. I mean, I was, I was scared to, and, uh, and Gina, I mean, but, we, but later when we talked about it, God was speaking to us, and that's what he has been doing this whole feast. I mean, last night, the whole walk of consecration, I mean, truly, are we willing and able to cry out that prayer that Jesus said is not my will, but your will in my life, which means I let every, every breath of my life, let that be worshipped so that everybody I encounter, everybody, everything that I do, that that consecration is so sold out that it is worship to you. And so just as Kathy was saying, that's what... Um, you know, the Spirit is leading us to, is to the point where we will have the confidence because if we wait until the battle comes and then try to get in touch with God and hear the voice of the Lord, then it's a little late. So to be fine-tuned, it's something that we have to be exercising every day without this delay. And so when we're praying as a church, the first thing we have to do is pray with the confidence in the identity that we have. Not like Gideon. What I know is that if we follow his footsteps, we can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. I mean, 
those of us that are spirit-filled, and I was, I was talking to Brother John, you know, Jonathan Edwards last night, well, well, even in the parking lot, I mean, I mean, my spiritual connection to him, I mean, talking about the first great awakening and the awakening that God is calling America to now, you know, Dana, you talked about it, it's been all week long, as you know, and that's my prayer. Father God, let the sleeping church, the giant that is the Christian church, let us arise. Let us not sleep and slumber anymore, but let us arise and take our place that you've called us to as the army of God. Marching forward and you know, not allowing the deception and the lies and the, the Babylon and, and the, the, the love of money, not letting any of that defer us, but saying we are marching through this land. That's what we are called to do. But it's easy to be looking at the spectacular where the fire is. Yes, there is the all-consuming fire of God. Yes, there is the power and the fire. But the thing is, is sometimes, and you mentioned it the other day, strange fire that can just tickle our eyes and our ears and we just kind of say, well, I want to go over here and see what this is all about. Being fine-tuned and in confidence about who we are and what God has called us to for a time such as this. You know, it's amazing when you read even, it was Paul, right, that was talking about that even before the world was formed and everything, God had already appointed and knew when we would come into fruition and we would come about. So that's a remarkable thing is that each of us, we are ordained right now. There's, and, and what you were saying, Kathy, is something that, that I say, you know, in the days ahead where we may not be able to go to church, where we may not be able to drive our, our cars, where we may not, not be able to go to the grocery store and swipe our ATM, we may be walking in the confidence and faith of Elijah. When he met the widow, and she says, I'm just going to get enough sticks so that I can bake a cake and my son and I, we can die. There's not a lot of hope there. You think about that story. In, in the church world of abundance that we so often find ourselves in, would we find ourselves looking at the oil in the middle and saying, it's not full. But the multiplication happened in the obedience. It was in the pouring. And so every day, you get up, you pour it out. And so I'm a firm believer. You know, I love my Cheerios and everything. I'm like, I'm a firm believer if what I believe and feel that God, where God's taken us and the confidence that we'll walk in, it won't be to say, well, we don't have a box of cereal anymore. It's to say, I've still got Cheerios that are coming out of this box every day. I've still got fresh milk that's coming out of this. I don't know what's cooling the refrigerator, but I know that my milk is cold. That's the appointment that God has placed before us. I mean, it's, we... I have been so naive myself just in thinking how easily all of this can unravel. But we see that because the enemy's plans unraveled in 2016. When the selected nominee was supposed to be president and all of that that was put in place, it just came crumbling down. And now the enemy is chasing us tail over and over. And I'll tell you what we saw this week was even the loudest most profound voices representing the wickedness and the lies, they can be silenced. I mean, it, it, let us not lose the, an, an, our understanding of what happened. 
the congressman from Maryland that was over this whole committee. He's been here for a long time. He was a, a, he was a great orator. Think about that. Even at his age, I mean, just, it was out of nowhere. I pulled up the news that morning. I'm like, wow, that's a surprise. And the spirit's like, really? Right. And so what I would pray is, yeah, let us not be expecting the spectacular, but let us operate in the supernatural. So besides praying with an understanding of our calling, our identity, we also have to be persistent. The thing is, is I've been guilty of this even myself, even, even in preparing for marriage, and even at times where I've been called to a God, an appointment. I mean, the thing is, is those of you who were here last year, I mean, I gave my testimony, ended up the Spirit just kept pulling it like everything. It was the full testimony. First time that I'd really spoken it and how much freedom came from that. God took that recording and where I used to live in D.C. when I was married to a man. There was a church there that I'd walked into 10 years ago, Easter 2009. I was still living that life. But I had been compelled to ask Jesus back into my heart. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with my life. I mean, I've, you know, I've been with this person 15, 16 years. This is my life from 18 years old. We've got a house. I mean, I don't just, well, maybe what happened to me can happen to him. And we went to Easter service on 2009. I walked into a church. It was a Pentecostal church. That was the way I grew up. Walked into a little church. They were meeting in the basement of a Baptist church. Maybe 20 people there. The way God would operate was, after I gave that testimony last year, I came back in contact with that pastor over that church. I hadn't stepped back foot since 2009. So we reconnected last year. And then he said, let me, you know, let me know what's happening with you. I sent him that recording. He listened to it. The thing is, is, Every pastor will tell you how important is Easter. So Mama Kathy, do you guys typically give up your Easter pulpit? <laughs> if the Spirit asks you to. Yeah. And that's what we had here was this man in Washington, D.C., at this church that I went into 10 years ago, that he hasn't seen me since then. He said, the Lord has an appointment and brother, I want you to be in my pulpit on Easter Sunday morning. So Easter Sunday morning, 2019, I'm back in Washington, D.C. This time I've got my fiancé right there with me. And I'm able to tell them, you don't always see the fruit of what you've been doing as a church. I mean, they didn't know what had happened in my life. And the reality is, when I was there that day, he gave myself and my partner each a little New Testament NIV Bible. He put his phone number and his name in the front. It would seem like just, you know, just, a, you know, just handing things out. But when I came across that ten, nine years later, I knew how to get in contact with him. It was just amazing how God will just supernaturally open the doors. And so 
as I'm standing there this year, Easter Sunday morning, and I'm declaring what God can do, that we sometimes we focus on what we can see. But there's so much in the spiritual realm. And so that's what I pray for you, is just as we read about the story of Elijah, where he had been outsmarting the king of Syria. And he kept telling the king of Israel, go here, be warned, go there. And the Syrian king was furious. He kept thinking that he had you know, a rat within his group because they were, he was like, who's, who's squealing and telling? And he got to the point where he was like, well, they're like, it's Elijah. So he sent you know, a big group of chariots and horses and men to go to Elijah to take him out. Elijah was doing what Kathy was telling us this morning. I mean, he was operating in the Spirit. And the servant was not. He had been around Elijah all this time, but he looked at it, and in the natural, what he saw was, it doesn't look good. And that's where I've made mistakes. Even, even this week, when things were happening, I said the cursory overview prayer to just kind of jab. I didn't take it to the punch to the match. So you spoke to me this morning, which is you pray, even if you pray in the Spirit, until you get the release. That's how we operate. And so what I pray even now over myself and over all of us is just as Elijah prays, like, Lord, I pray that his eyes will be opened that he will see in the spirit realm and not in the carnal realm. And when his eyes were open, he saw the flaming chariots and the horses all about them. And Elijah says, there are more with us than there are against us. And that's my prayer myself, is after what Kathy, thank you, shared with him, like, well, I need to remember there are more with us then there are against us. And we've got, yeah, we've got the, the crowd of witnesses that are with us. You know, we've got each other. We've got the Holy Spirit. But can our eyes just be open and we operate in the Spirit to what He's called us to do? We begin to operate in the Word that just as you were talking about with the Chinese, I mean, I've been there back at, years ago, and I, I had to smuggle in Christian CDs in the 90s even. That's how close is. We see the news about them closing down the churches that are sanctioned and suddenly saying to the woman, the pastor's wife, you and your women's conference can't happen here. But I'm telling you, there is a fire that is being stoked in the houses. Because in persecution is when God arises. And so what we have here, you know, with Elijah, you know, you know let, let us, and that's my prayer over you guys, is that let our eyes be opened. Let our ears be fine-tuned. Let us bind up the deaf and dumb spirit so that we only hear what the Spirit wants us to hear or that he, or he magnifies our ears so that we can hear miles away what the enemy is plotting and scheming and we know how to go into prayer about it. We know how to, to go around on different routes. That's where we operate in the supernatural. So my second, yeah, my second point is, you know, the first one, of course, is that we pray understanding our identity. And then we pray with a persistence. And then that we pray um, 
with the commitments, that, with our spiritual eyes being able to see. So when I talk about persistence, again, I, I, I am guilty of this, where I'll, I will walk through and I'll just say, you know, Lord, you know, by your spirit, you know, take out whatever needs to, you know, punch it out. And then I move on to what Matt's thinking about, my world, carnally. What was it to me? But my goodness, you know, help me, Lord, that my heart will stop and just say, I do not want to retreat. I don't want to pull back. I'm going to be a heart of a warrior that is known as a beloved son. And so even in my prayer life, and so often what I see happening is if we don't see the break in our time frame, we give up. One of my favorite stories is about the blind man, Bartimaeus. Because, man, can we draw from the faith that this man had. It's easy to read the story and just say, okay, he was a blind man and he received his sight. When you study the story, actually, many of the versions say that his sight was restored. It means he had it at one point. So as he's sitting there on the side of the road, not having what he had at one point, to the point where it's relegated him to begging on the side of the road for every day, for every morsel of bread that he's going to eat. Think about the destitute position that he's in and how quickly our lives can spiral out and that we're just sitting there. And if we just say, as he cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me and heal me, well, it didn't happen. So often in our Christian walk, we want to say, I said the prayer, it didn't happen, so I'm going to go on and make dinner. But think about the steps of faith. He spoke out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And that those, think about this, those that would be seemingly close to Jesus, the establishment, the ones that are his handlers. When you look at it, you're like, these are the ones that walk with Jesus. Those that are closer to Jesus, well, they didn't encourage him and say, we've seen miracles and signs and wonders. Why don't you come up here and we part the way from him? No, what did they do? In the spirit of religion, they're like, now you be quiet. That's not the protocol. That's, how, that's not how we approach Jesus around here. So how many times have we let religious figures tell us that's not the way it's done? We've been hurt by it, and then we just... And I, and I am guilty myself. Church hurts, and what I'm telling you is, in my heart, what I believe, besides the laws that are unchurched, which they're great, because America's not really a Christian nation anymore. It's a Christian nation because we're a remnant here, but the generation, the last couple of generations, that their parents in the 60s and 70s just quit going to church, quit reading the Bible, quit, you know, it just fell off. But there, besides the unchurched, there's also the church hurt. That was me. That's many people, is where people in the name of God have hurt. And I believe that's where there is a great awakening and a revival that we're going to see come forth is that, you know, as the word says, is the wounds 
the oil of joy will be poured out over those wounds, and there will be a healing there. You think about earlier in that scripture in, in Isaiah 61, it says, beauty where there's ashes. And I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. If you look at a, at a pile of ashes, there's, there's nothing there that resembles what it used to be. It's just a heaping pile of ashes. But God can see beauty in that. Because he can take all of that brokenness, put that vase right back on a shelf, and it'll be more beautiful, more pronounced than it ever was. That's what God will do with those uh, wounds and, those, and church hurts. And so blind Bartimaeus is being shushed and quietened and discouraged by the people that were closer to Jesus. He's like, you don't know what I've been through. So what he's thinking to is, you don't know, I, I, I used to be able to see like you did. You don't know what my days are like. I'm sitting here begging for every morsel of bread. And you want to tell me to be quiet when my miracle is walking by? This may be my only chance. So Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You got Jesus' attention. You think about it. These are steps of faith. He got Jesus' attention, but he, had he been healed yet? He still sat on the side of the road. He overcame the discouragement of the people. He cried out louder, Jesus stopped. Jesus. He's gotten his attention. He's keeping his eyes focused on Jesus, but does he have his miracle yet? Not yet. You have to keep walking the steps of faith, knowing that your miracle is going to happen if you keep obeying and doing what God has called us, what Jesus has demonstrated, what the Word says. So then the church folks are like, be encouraged, Jesus has called you for Now they're splitting and letting him walk through. He walks up and Jesus asks him again, he says, what would you have me do for you that I may receive my sight? And so when I, I think about our prayer life, and we compare our daily prayer life to what Bartimaeus did. Do we stop at the first request? Well, I've, I've cried out to you, O Lord, to heal me according to Psalms 30, verse 2. So I've declared your word. I know it's supposed to be like a fire and a hammer and crushes. I've cried out to you, O Lord, and you have healed me, and I'm believing it's going to happen. I'm confessing the word. Or do we find ourselves... Or do we put it in our heart to determine like blind Bartimaeus did that I'm going to continue to step in faith and break through until I get the miracle that I need in my life or the miracle that I need in this situation. And I, just like you, I mean, it, it has been just in the last couple of months that my prayer changed because I remember when I read that scripture you know, in Matthew, pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers. And it changes your whole perspective when that burns in you and you pray that prayer and then the Spirit just nudges you a little more and I was like, I pray to you, Lord, that you send me forth as a laborer into your harvest. That I'll say what you want me to say, I'll do what you want me to do, I will go where you've called me to, to go. Not my will, not my timing, not my bank account, but your will in my life. 
so that's what the Spirit had put in me, is that we would be mindful of our prayer life. We'd be mindful that there is a such thing as prayer with unbelief. And prayer with unbelief can still get results sometimes. But we are, what we are called to do is we're called to see where Peter missed it, where the church missed it, and understand that for the age that is to come and where we are today, we are called to pray continuously without ceasing by the leading of the Spirit. So that's what was on my heart this morning to just workshop, talk about was as a church, we are the church body. We, we pray. So did the Church of Acts book, uh, the Book of Acts Church right there. So that's my prayer is that as Kathy talked this morning and as just those few scenarios have played out is that we would arise the calling of prayer in our life. Prayer that uh, will change things. So I'd ask us even now, I think just uh, as we wind down, that we'd all stand for a second. What's this time for lunch? I kept it at least 45 minutes or less. So. Yeah, and so as we wind down here, if there was anything in the stories from the Bible that spoke to your heart today, anything even in my confessions of my humanly mistakes that I'm going to be striving to do, anything that resonated in your heart, let's just take a couple of minutes, even corporately, lift our hands and cry out to God. I mean, His eyes roam the whole earth. He wants to, to show us, prove us. So let us just cry out just that prayer of consecration. Whatever it is that we may have sinned ourselves, we confess against, whatever we need, maybe even another consecration prayer from even last night. But let that be the prayer of our hearts. Holy Spirit, even now, I pray over everyone here. Just as Elisha prayed, Lord God, let their eyes be opened. Let them see in the spiritual realm. Let them see that there are more for us than there are that are against us. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man. All the things that God has in store for us. Father God, even those that of us that remain in the house for the rest of this weekend, let us continue the breakthrough so that the roots don't even come back in. Oh, to let God arise and every root be... Oh, for what the Word says, that God will uproot everything that He did not plant. So we uproot those roots even now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. With passion.
uh, as we continue forward while we were just praying there, the Lord was showing me the water shaft. The water shaft in David's time, Zion had been taken over. It was a stronghold. They couldn't break it. They had to take back Zion. You know, that is replica of what we're facing. We're, we're, taking, we're taking the earth realms. This is the, it's the word of God says the, it, the earth is the Lord's. It's the Lord's. And I just saw us were in a battle that during those times David went and he said, is there anybody willing to go up that water shaft because it's the most dangerous thing? If the water comes, if there's any rain, you're going to drown, you're going to die. It's a dark place. But there were some men. He said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do you right. It's the king saying, I'll do you right if you'll, if you'll put your life on the line. And some gathered, and they went up that water shaft. And those that were up on top were laughing. It was the enemy laughing. You'll never make it. You won't, you, I've taken this. It's our stronghold. I'm not letting it go. You're not getting it back. But I saw us in the spirit. I saw some of you raising your hand. You said, I'll go. I'll put it on the line. I'll make a, you, you said, let's make a commitment. And I saw some of us making a commitment to walk up the water shaft that God can, that we can take the strongholds. Amen? Wherever they are, wherever they are. So, Father, we just seal this word to our spirit. Lord, let it not depart. And may you interrupt our day and remind us when we come up to something and we don't even realize what's going on. Help us, Father. Thank you for this word. Thank you. Seal this word to our spirits to our minds, to our soul, God. It is your word, and we can stand on it. We can stand on it. Zeal for your house is consuming me, Father. Zeal for your house is consuming me. So let it be. Let it not dissipate as we leave here today. Be blessed. Go break bread together. Um, we are, some of us are going over to the building. If you didn't get a chance to see it and you want to see it, so you have, you know, a visual of what's going on over there, a uh, handful of, of us are going over uh, this afternoon.